Ticket City presents why you go to see the Red Raiders. So this was the moment in tech sports, and I was a senior in high school at the time, and I remember wanting to go to the game, but I couldn't because I had to work a shift. When my shift ended, me and my coworkers just turned on the radio, and we all hung around my truck, and all of a sudden we heard the roar of the crowd, so we knew something happened, and then we heard the famous call on the radio of Crabtree scoring to beat UT. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit LubbockOnline.com slash sports and click tickets. From the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com, here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to a Red Raiders podcast. Don Williams from the Avalanche Journal Sports Department alongside Carl Silver Jr. Coming to you, uh, we're recording this actually on Tuesday evening after mm-hmm. the Texas Tech News Conference, the weekly news conference with Cliff Kingsbury. And Cliff recapped Red Raiders 63-49 victory Saturday against Houston and previewed the upcoming week's game, 6 p.m. this coming Saturday against Oklahoma State. That's the Big 12 opener. Red Raiders play it in Stillwater. They'll be trying to win there for the first time since 2001. And they'll go in with uh, a little bit of a positive vibe since they really rang it up against uh, Houston on Saturday, Carlos, and two enormous games for Alan Bowman at quarterback, Antoine Wesley at a receiver spot. Absolutely, and I think uh, especially with Alan Bowman, I I know you and I have talked about the fact that he has been showing and displaying the attributes and traits that Cliff Kingsbury covets in a quarterback. One, of course, being the fact that he does not turn the ball over. He makes sure that if he does take a sack, it's only a sack. He doesn't give the ball up or fumble it, so he did do that against Houston, who at times I know you and I were talking about a little bit, but man, Ed Oliver was a, a little bit of a load to kind of handle for that offensive line. Paul Stewarts couldn't get him uh, throughout the whole game. Uh, actually got pushed into Madison uh, Akam Nonu. Apologize if I said that incorrectly, but trying my best here. Uh, he got hurt. Uh, we saw a couple of uh, backup offensive linemen, so that could be a potential uh, storyline going into this with the uh, Dawson Deaton and, of course, uh, Jacob Hines. Jacob Hines, thank you. Uh, they both came in. Travis Bruffy, of course, got hurt. Madison, as I mentioned before, he got rolled up by uh, Paul Stewarts when he got blown up by uh, Ed Oliver. But I think the one thing that you have to take away from this, Don, is the fact that I think you found your quarterback of the future. Whether or not uh, you want to look at the fact that the defense gave up so many points, you can do whatever uh, you want. But the fact is, Texas Tech got the W against a very good Houston team. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, offense from that team. They probably will be one of the top uh, scoring offenses in the American Athletic Conference, at least uh, for for my uh, diamond dollar. But I think, uh, one, they got the victory. Alan Bowman showed his poise, played a complete game, didn't have to necessarily play a half, got those four, uh, pardon me, five touchdowns, and not only that, but then 605 yards, which is something we haven't seen since uh, Patrick Mahomes, which is a a guy, when you mention his name, you think of offense. Yeah, um, Bowman, 605 yards passing, Texas Tech freshman, single-game record. Um, not uh, su- surprising from the standpoint that he does that in the, his second career start. Maybe not all that surprising considering some of the good signs that he's shown the, last, the, the two previous weeks. Before that, I just think he looks, you know, real, real crisp, yeah. real efficient running the offense. And, you know, Mike Leach – 
Going back to the Mike Leach days, Mike Leach said the best thing that he wants in a quarterback is for him to make good decisions, be accurate and make good decisions, accuracy and decision-making. That's what he always trumpets. And uh, right now, uh, Alan Bowman's accuracy is 71%. Not too bad. That's, that's, that's hard to sustain over a full season. And of course, mm. that's with uh, – I think he had two – he had two passes dropped yesterday – or on Saturday – at least one pass dropped the week before, so it could actually be even higher than that. But he looks poised and calm out there, and and it seems like he really grasps and, and gets into the flow of the offense and is good at, at relaying, at taking the signals from the sideline, staying calm while it, as he gets everybody set up, and then knowing where to go with the football. So you had – so you got him as a plus, and that's uh, a positive, as you said. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you think you get your quarterback for the next four years? You would <laughs> think, uh, Carlos. You you, you you think and you hope. Yeah. Though though Carlos is a Dallas Cowboys fan, remember oh, when uh, Dak Prescott was so good after about three games that you don't need Tony Romo anymore? Who I never said that, that. Guy? because <laughs> yeah. you, you probably didn't say yeah. that, but a lot of people yeah. did. Yeah. Who needs Tony Romo anymore? Yeah. Dak Prescott's the next big thing, and. <laughs> Now, yeah. <laughs> so so things yeah. can change. I'm not saying that yeah. uh, two years from now, Alan Bowman will, will be regarded in the same way, but he he will hit some rough spots along the way. And I think Saturday is probably the first big challenge because the team that leads the nation in sacks, there's yep. the Oklahoma State Cowboys. They played three games. They have 16 of them already. And the interesting thing about that was Texas Tech was one of, I believe, only 16 teams going into that game before Alan Bowman took that sack. So certainly that's one thing that you have to like about having a freshman quarterback, doesn't have to worry about uh, the pass rush at least going into that game. And just to kind of stick with your theme about Tony Romo and Dak Prescott, the one thing Alan Bowman has uh, compared to Dak Prescott and the reason he struggled as a running game with Sir Roderick Thompson to John Henry have stepped up a little bit. We'll see if Daleon Ward and Trey King are able to kind of bring their carries in there. Of course, uh, as we mentioned before, Cliff Kingsbury has been known to wait a little bit to make sure that his players are 100%, that being the same with uh, Deshaun Johnson as well. The free safety for Texas Tech could be huge if they get him back on the back end. Well, let's, talk, let's talk. Let's talk running backs first. Sure, go ahead. I, I think they'll get Ward back, but I think yeah. even if they, even when they do, I think what they've seen, what you've seen from Tajon Henry so far, and it dictates to me that he's probably going to play more. I think he's probably. Oh, I number, agree with that. I think he's probably your number two running back right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean the. Four touchdowns rushing, 111 yards rushing, and the thing that really impressed me on Saturday: 24 carries for a guy who's five foot seven, 170 pounds. Yeah, and he also caught seven passes. No, no really big plays in the passing game, but seven passes for about 40 yards or so. And so I think with what he is, he's shown he's going to quickly become a pretty prominent guy for you. Yeah, and the other thing that that you have to like too, and you kind of alluded to it, but Antoine Wesley, you're finally seeing. That was the big question. Who will take up some of these catches? Who will be the playmaker that you need, that you make, that you obviously execute the play, but who's the guy that will make a guy miss? Or who will be the guy that breaks a tackle and makes that big-time play? That was Antoine Wesley, and he showed that, and that was something that Cliff Kingsbury wasn't uh, what wasn't necessarily shocked with, especially some of his teammates too, as we kind of asked him uh, today, uh, that being Tuesday, were they shocked if Antoine Wesley uh, – with the way he performed, no. I mean, other than the fact that he had to go through the hip surgery, they knew he could make these type of plays. He's been doing it in practice, and I think he finally got practice to, to the games. Well, I know two people who are shocked by it. 
One was Antoine Antoine well, Leslie yeah, because no, I said I, on Saturday I said, yeah. <laughs> "Do you think you're surprising? Uh, do, you su- do you think you're surprising some of these other teams with your big playability?" And he said, "I'm surprising myself." Yeah. And uh, I, I gotta say, I did not know that Antoine had that uh, level of play in him. When I looked at him the last couple of years, I thought oh, he's a he's a nice big target, probably a uh, a possession receiver, a guy who can move the chains. I did not know that he had that broken field running ability. And some of it is, uh, you know, I'm sure that he, I'm sure. Lamar's coaches last week and Houston's coaches this past Sunday were looking at the film going, man, we really had some really bad tackling. Mm -hmm. We had some sloppy tackling that gave up big plays. Mm -hmm. But I think – Antoine though was pretty nifty for a guy six foot five. Was you know pretty slippery, and we talked to him last week uh, just about what he had done while he was behind the scenes, while he was waiting for his turn behind Dylan Cantrell and Derek Willies. And mm-hmm. one of the things that he said he you know really concentrated on was doing the little stuff right and focusing on his route running and doing you know certain steps to re- get the release off the line of scrimmage and Emmett Jones has compliment complimented him even when he was a young receiver about he would use Antoine to uh, demonstrate a concept to a receiving group because he seemed to grasp what the coach was teaching and could uh, quickly do it. And so I think he's a guy who's been a real kind of technician behind the scenes and has really really paid attention to uh, being an effective route runner and what he can do after the catch. And we've seen that put into play a bunch. And, um, you know, the the touchdown catches got the – probably the most attention and deservedly so with uh, you know one of them last week and or one of them against Lamar three of them against um, Houston but you know another one that I thought another play that really stood out to me was there late in the game fourth quarter where he runs that post pattern mm-hmm. lined up to the left runs that post pattern all the way across the field and brings it in for a 57-yard catch. And yep. Rewatching it on TV, I think Bowman's ball was in the air for 52 yards. So, yep. you know, people are wondering about Alan Bowman's ability to air it out. I think he pretty clearly demonstrated he has that kind of ability on Saturday. But, but just, uh, again, Wesley's ability, you know, a couple of his touchdowns have been short – Short passes, long runs, yep. but he also showed the ability to get behind a secondary and get open deep. And so I think that is that a is that a mirage? Will he ever catch uh, thirteen passes for two hundred sixty one yards again? I, I'm not sure. I'd bet on that it's because it's only happened once in Tech yeah. history. But yeah. I think it sure opened our eyes to what this guy that this guy for me at least that this guy is capable of way more than than I looked at him and, th- and, and thought he was. Not only that, but then you had two other great performances from J.D. on high who celebrated his birthday. He had 120 yards in that performance. And I think uh, something else that's kind of lost as well, T.J. Vasher had himself a game. 94 yards, didn't have the 100-yard game, but he had the two touchdowns. One in the back of the end zone that he had kind of mentioned when I spoke to him after the game is uh, he was just impressed by the fact that Alan Bowman stayed in the pocket, took the hit, or was uh, willing to take a hit for him just so he could stay in that pocket and make sure that he still had that passing lane, which allowed him to get that ball right past a uh, lineman's a lineman or a linebacker. I can't remember which one, but just past their arm, and he was able to rocket it into 
Uh, T.J. Vash going back to your arm strength, but the other thing is the accuracy too on that 57-yard catch. The other thing that I saw Antoine Wesley show is some strength because he had to pull that away from the defender because it was a little bit off and the defender had his arm in there. He was able to get it, and I think that's the other important thing that you like from Antoine Wesley. And then alongside him, T.J. Vash are too tall big wide receivers that have long strides. I think if you're able to get Antoine Wesley going, that's going to really make uh, T.J. Vasher kind of be that competitive fire, and I think that's going to help. And then, of course, as I kind of mentioned earlier this year, I don't know if uh, it'll happen just because of the big game that you saw from Antoine Wesley, but J.D. on high, he's at that Y or X receiver. Can't remember which one he's it was. Y. Y receiver, thank you. That's the one that's going to get all the catches, and certainly uh, J.D. on high showed he can make some, especially a one-handed variety. Yeah, he's been, he's been pretty nifty of being able to work that middle of the field. And, uh, again, the the length that you have with Wesley and Vasher has got to be comforting for a, for a freshman quarterback that uh, <laughs> if I don't see anybody open, well, I can, I can throw it nine feet in the air, and there's a chance that only my guy is going to catch it or it's going to go incomplete. So I like those odds. Let's, uh, I guess, flip it over. You, sure. start, you, you touched on it just a moment ago. Ja'Shawn Johnson's a guy who – we have not seen yet in the first three games as he's been waiting to get that shoulder, getting mm-hmm. the medical clearance, and which I think he, Cliff, he, he's Cliff pretty close. He's, he's, yeah. he's had the medical clearance. Now it's just a matter of the comfort with that shoulder for him to get back out on the field, and I think it's going to happen this week. And um, now I would not understate the importance of Jashawn Johnson to the Tech secondary. But uh, maybe I'm a little bit surprised by how much they have missed him at least these first three games because, man, have they been giving up a bunch of big plays. Well, here's the other thing, too, Don, is, I mean, they, they are some explosive offenses. I know we talk about it a little bit, but Ole Miss had some NFL caliber receivers. Yes, uh, the one big thing everyone remembers is the missed tackles, but sometimes they happen and you're kind of making them a little bit uh, or trying to fix those mistakes going into it. Maybe you didn't do as much against Houston as you did in that first half, but then the second half they're able to adjust, held them to 14 points. So the Texas Tech defense is capable of doing this. It's just they have not shown the ability to do it for four full quarters, and I think that's what's going to help them a little bit. I don't necessarily think Tashawn's going to play all all four quarters just because of him coming back from injury. You don't want to push him too much. I think John Bonney's going to probably get some time there because he's been the guy that's really kind of stepped in there despite only being here, I want to say, two weeks right before camp, and he still somehow found a way to kind of immerse himself in this playbook and learn it all. But uh, I think – once again, I know I said it before, but I think the linebackers could play a big part in this game. If you're able to make your tackles early on, especially, and, and we'll kind of get to this a little bit, and I'm kind of previewing it, but Justice Hill, he's going to be a tough guy to get down. He's one of the top running backs in the Big 12, and I only say that now that Rodney Anderson is out uh, with the knee injury. I think he's going to probably be one of the better running backs you see up until you oh, maybe no see doubt. a David Montgomery uh, at Iowa State. I mean, uh, you're talking a guy who's had 2,600 rushing yards his first two as a freshman and a sophomore. Yep. Yep. I mean, before he even got experience, so yep. to speak, he already had 2,600 career rushing yards, and uh, he now has us counting them today. 16 100 yard games in his mm-hmm. career. He's gonna leave there. Got a shot, I think, for Barry Sanders' Oklahoma State rushing record. Um, so yeah, the uh, the linebackers are gonna have their hands full. Um, and we'll need to <laughs> – they're going to have their attention divided because you, you got to stop just – got to keep Justice Hill contained first and in check, and then you, you hope that – Wide receiver doesn't go off. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say that, uh, you know, Dakota Allen had 
big plays defending the pass in his yeah. career here. There's a couple of years. It'd be nice for him to uh, pick off a pass. Get his first interception this year. He's had a few. Yeah, well, especially after you had a game where it was the first time in 16 uh, – 16 games you have not forced a turnover of course you had a cup but you had a three if i'm not mistaken against lamar didn't have one against houston that certainly could have changed the momentum i know coach kingsbury is talking about that second half going back and forth i think a turnover would have helped there to get the ball back to texas tech if you're able to get that 14 point lead then you get a little bit of cushion then that kind of takes the air out of maybe houston but i think uh, like i said just being able to contain Justice Hill with those linebackers and not even that, but maybe even setting the line uh, for the defensive line of Joe Wallace or a Broderick Washington, I think that's going to be huge too because if you're not able to do that and you allow them to kind of run as much as uh, you can kind of imagine with Justice Hill, that's just going to open things up for the wide receivers. And we, we, we talk about Justice Hill, but they certainly have some uh, – <clears throat> some big time targets, even though they did lose James Washington, and I know you and Marcel Aitman yep. caught passes for a thousand yards last year as well. Lost yep. two, lost two, lost two good receivers, but uh, they still have uh, a young receiver, uh, Wallace Dylan Stoner. Dylan Stoner. I was, was going to say Dylan yep. Stoner. Dylan Stoner's a guy that uh, Tech recruited. He's mm-hmm. kind of that uh, prototype slot H style receiver. Mm-hmm. Jalen McCleskey's had a big yep. game. Uh, way back, I think, when he was a freshman. All well-known names, too. It's not like these guys are just coming out of nowhere, either. Yeah. Tylen Wallace is the uh, yep. is the sophomore, I was going to say, the stepped-up guy who was, uh, had a little bit of a – caught seven passes last year. This year he's 19 catches, 319 yards, and two touchdowns. He's been the guy who's – we talked about Antoine Wesley mm-hmm. from a tech standpoint, really elevating his play. The Wallace kid is the one for Oklahoma State. It was That was kind of the previously unknown name who has uh, taken over as leading receiver for him so far. Now, here's the one thing I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see, Don. I know uh, they had some success last week against Boise State, had a couple block punts. That's certainly some momentum built uh, through the special teams unit. I know that's usually how you win games sometimes through special teams, whether it's a field goal kick, a block punt, or maybe a big punt return for a touchdown or even a kick return for a touchdown. But the one thing that I think uh, we're kind of forgetting here is they're still trying to get a guy named Taylor Cornelius at the quarterback position, maybe a little bit ready, or maybe he's already kind of set himself for success because he's been waiting his time kind of uh, to uh, some – some uh, Fifth-year senior guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's kind of like uh, – I wrote about him today. He's kind of like from 03 to 05 – Tech had three years in a row where mm-hmm. fifth-year seniors became first-time yeah, starters with Simmons, Simmons, Cumbie, that's what I was trying to, yeah. and Cody Hodges, and he's kind of been another, another example of that. Taylor Cornelius has, yeah, and we'll see if he's able to kind of, like we mentioned, just kind of run that offense the way that they think they can. But uh, the Texas Tech defense will certainly have a test. Just for you and your perspective, Don, the one thing that. I had two questions for you before we kind of get to some of the Twitter questions that you always get uh, when we do mention that we do these podcasts on Tuesday. And then, of course, the Facebook Live will do it about 4 o'clock on Wednesday. Hopefully that will help a little bit more people get through their work day. But one thing I want to know, do you try and pressure the quarterback or do you try and make sure that you stay back in coverage and make sure that you don't give up that big play? Because you you mentioned it going into it. I want to say they gave up 13 chunk plays to Houston. Uh, and that's plays of 20 or more yards yeah 20 or more yards I mean that's something you don't want to do because that not not necessarily kind of gives you momentum it certainly does that but I think the other thing is it shortens the field so you're not necessarily having to do those 10 to 12 play drives 
Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's a combination of both. I think I think you got to do. I think you got to, you have to do both so that uh, you're not predictable on defense. So if the offense doesn't know how they're going to try to defend you, and even though um, Tech gave up 49 points on Saturday, some of us are trying to cover. Yeah. But you saw there there's twice when uh, David David Gibbs blitzed Demarcus yes, Fields off the corner and rotated John Bonney over uh, to cover mm-hmm. that that outside guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened a couple of times. Um, you had Dakota Allen blitzing a little bit. Just trying to think who else. Seems like there was Tony a Jones had one, point. if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I, I think it's a combination, especially when you're dealing with uh, – even though Cornelius is a freshman – pardon me, is a fifth-year senior mm-hmm. quarterback. He's a guy who's been in college football for five years. So, mm-hmm. you're going to have to try to – Keep him off balance, try to confuse him a little bit, exactly. And then my next question before we get to this, and I don't know if maybe it's something you thought about, but it's something that I just thought about as we were kind of discussing some of the wide receivers and kind of all the big playmakers at Texas Tech has kind of developed. The one person that kind of, at least for me, kind of has fallen through the ranks and maybe we may start seeing some things because maybe you're saving these type of plays, but Dante Thompson, he's been a real good blocking tight end for Texas Tech but I know with Kevin Johns he does utilize the tight end every once in a while in passing plays will we start to see that a little bit more now after uh, after that my impression is I don't really think so I, okay. I don't I don't think he's going to be much of a factor in the passing game I think they want I think what they want him to do is block and we saw two real good examples oh, of that uh, on Saturday he had there are two of those touchdowns uh, both in the second half, one in which he engages his man at about the nine-yard line mm-hmm. and stays on him all the way into the goal line. Set the edge. And then another was kind of similar to that. Doesn't seem like he was, he, he was he doesn't seem like he held the block quite that long. Mm-hmm. But there were examples on two of those touchdowns where Dante Thompson blocked really effectively, mm-hmm. and you know was a key to the man getting in the end zone. I want to say they were both. Design Henry's touchdowns. It seems like. I mean, it's a pretty good guess. <laughs> he had a lot of touchdowns. But uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, just th- I think uh, when you when you have as many receivers showing mm-hmm. promise as you have, when you have the big guys on the outside, mm-hmm. when you have high doing what he's doing, and when you have Keshawn Carter, I don't know that uh, that's going to leave a whole lot of footballs for for Dante Thompson and that was going to be my follow-up is do you think Sean Carter's kind of earned himself some more playing time which I mean I feel like he's done more than more than enough to probably so you know the thing about him is he's in there on five he's in there on five wide sets whenever they have uh the force whenever they decide to go empty backfield, they have the four starters and then Sean Carter's been in there as as a fifth wide receiver and I think you know, Cliff Kingsbury is complimentary of him after the first first game, second yep. game maybe about how uh, how fast he learns how fast he learned the offense, how mm-hmm. quickly he soaks things up, just keeps his mouth shut and does what he's supposed to do. And yes or no, sir. Doesn't make many mistakes. So, so yeah, and I think it's kind of a nice little uh, combo with him and Zach Austin both working that position. Absolutely. Well, let's get to those Twitter questions because I know you love searching on the Twitter. Uh, Jeff asked if uh, Texas Tech football, if they have followed up with the league office on the officials' egregious miss of two forward passes and linemen eight yards downfield in Saturday's game. Now, I'm sure they have, Jeff. Here's the thing about it is the Big 12 office has a 
and I, I guess most conferences do this, uh, but the Big 12 office has a uh, – what's the word I'm trying to think the Grading of? system. Avenue. Oh. Well, no, I was going to say avenue, by which coaching staffs each Sunday after the game send in – Corrections. Uh, yeah, video. Yep. I think I think they'll do video. They'll narrate over it, or maybe they can attach like an email or what have you, saying, "Okay, here's here's the play that to us that that we have in question. Give us your interpretation. Mm-hmm. We think they miss it. What what is what's the correct ruling here? Um, shoot, I remember Mike Leach one time sent in. I want to say sixteen play sixteen plays for review mm-hmm. once one week. Um, and so you, you you have that avenue to uh, be heard by the director of officials for the conference. You don't have much redress, really. I mean, the of game's course. over. There's nothing. You, there's nothing you can do about it now. The only satisfaction you can get is them simply saying, "We missed it. Sorry." And uh, you may not get the, that same crew. <laughs> I mean, well, here's the here's the thing, and that play was so. So so blatant, so egregious that I think a lot of people are sitting there scratching their heads when, when it happened, and it went viral. Wondering, now what is it that makes that legal? Because yeah. that was so obviously two forward passes. Yeah, and the offensive line can't be more than three. Offensive linemen can't be more than three yards down the field. And as Jeff said, there were <laughs> linemen yeah. that were beyond five yards down yeah. the field. Um, so no, I, I don't really know how they missed that, that many different sets of eyes, because it was pretty obvious that the first pass was not a backward pass. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some, someone made the comment to me on Twitter, and I think probably a pretty good observation, that the lineman being so far downfield was a tip-off that that was not a designed play. Oh, yeah. That was maybe Broken impro- play. That was improvised yeah. on – that was improvised on the part of the receiver coming back to the left, mm-hmm. uh, lobbing it over the defense's head. Hey, if so. anything like Cliff Kingsbury said, that was a great play design. Yes, I'm, not, I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking several officials on that crew will get a uh, will get a black mark for that play in particular. Get a little talking to. Uh, Taylor asked, says, I hope Cliff makes it at Tech, but if he doesn't, do you think Art Bryles would be considered for the job? Seems and, to be a uh, name that always pops up. Him and Mike Leach for some reason. Not sure. Well, there, there are people who want Art Bryles no, that's, back yeah. at Tech mm-hmm. coaching. As long as Kirby Hokut is the athletic director, mm-hmm. that's not going to mm-hmm. happen. Absolutely. I don't think. Um and then Taylor also asked if Kingsbury needs seven regular season wins to keep his job. Which five remaining games do you see as the most likely wins? Well, you got Kansas. Or do you think, I was going to say, <laughs> or do you think seven regular season wins is unlikely? Yeah. I mean, you got I said, Kansas. well, I was going to say, I'm sorry, Carl. So no, at the no, start of the season, I said I thought Tech was a seven and five, eight and four football team. Yeah. The reason why is because I thought they would get really good performances from the defense. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that really yet. They've, they're going to have to pick it up on that side. Now, I do think they're capable because these are the same guys that we saw pick it up on that side last year. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. Later down the season, too, is when they started to pick it up during the Big 12 season. So you get your offense starting at least getting going against a Houston team. Maybe it continues to go against Oklahoma State. You win a shootout there. 
That's a potential. Well, I'm, and let's talk about that because ahead. Oklahoma State is, you know, I said that at the before the year started. I said this is the year that Texas Tech is going to beat Oklahoma State. And the reason why is because Oklahoma State lost so much talent. Um with the quarterback, you know, third-team All-America quarterback, mm-hmm. Blitnikoff winning receiver, another 1,000-yard receiver, three offensive linemen that started for a long time, both of their safeties who are kind of Deshaun Johnson-type safeties that yep. played there forever, linebacker who was, uh, I believe, their second-leading tackler, Chad Whitener. Uh, and I thought, man, Oklahoma State's lost so much talent, they're going to feel it. So far, they haven't felt it. They They've uh, been rolling it up on offense just like mm-hmm. – Rudolph and Washington did. So I, th- I'm, I may be a little more hesitant to call that a win, but I, I, I don't think Oklahoma State's going to wind up as a 10-3 and team, which they have been for, for the last five years. So I think I still think that's one. Uh, Kansas won, although Kansas finally is, is showing a pulse. Won two games. First time since uh, 2011, if I'm not mistaken. How about that? Baylor. And, uh, you know, I, I think he could win one of the two home games, Oklahoma. Or I, I think he could win West Virginia, Oklahoma, or Texas. Think he, I think he should win Texas, and I think depending on what the atmosphere is mm-hmm. like, depending on what the atmosphere is like, West Virginia or OU. I'm not really counting on an Iowa State win. I think that's been a really tough matchup for especially, Texas. Especially on the road. Years. On the road down here last year, they kicked Texas yep. tail. Um so it's uh, that pathway to seven is uh, maybe a little tougher than I might have projected to begin with. Well, I still think this team's capable of that, though. Well, he, here's the tough part: is you, you come out of non-conference two and one, where everyone thought, "Oh, this is going to be a three and zero start." So then, at that point, you just need four, and now this five win uh, total in Big Big Twelve uh, play obviously that kind of puts a little bit of a damper on it, or just uh, kind of makes it, as you said, Don kind of difficult to figure out where you get the wins but I think the important thing for Texas Tech is all these tough games where you necessarily see a West Virginia that's kind of been pretty tough a TCU that's been pretty tough or I should even say Oklahoma Texas you get those games at home TCU of course is on the road but when you get West Virginia Oklahoma Texas at home I think that certainly gives you a little bit of an advantage in terms of just uh, hey maybe you're going to get a crowd that gets fired up Maybe it's a night game, and then you kind of get some special things to happen at the Jones. But it's going to be pretty tough. But I, I certainly think uh, we'll get a very good feeling of how Texas Tech will fare in the Big 12 because they're going to play a team that, at least for my money, the way they're playing could potentially be a top three, top four team at the end uh, when everything kind of f- finishes out. You're talking about Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State, I'm sorry, yeah. Okay. You're, t- you're talking about top three, top – you're talking about playoff? No, 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 no. Oh, you're talking about no, big, big 12, conference. Big, big 12 in the conference. conference. Yeah, yeah. No, not that crazy. No. Agree. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah, I think you're right on yeah. that. Before, and before the season started, I, again, I said Oklahoma State, this is going to be the year that they, that they take a pretty big fall. But they haven't shown any sign of that yet. Um, we'll find out if uh, Tech's able to put a chink in the armor on Saturday night again at 6 p.m., kickoff at Boone Pickens Stadium. FS1, Fox Sports 1, has the uh, television coverage if you don't make it up there to Stillwater. You'll be on the Twitter coverage at EJ underscore Don Williams. And Brad (laughs) Brad underscore Tolleson taking the photos. Yeah. And then we'll be driving back from Stillwater on Sunday. uh, And I will not. We decided to give you a break so that you didn't have to uh, have a 19-hour day. How about this, Don? 
I was nice. This is kind of a little behind the scenes. I was nice to y'all. I gave you a nice little uh, hotel next to a Waffle House. So I hope you're fired oh, up about man, that. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so there you, you go. One. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of incentive now to drive a little bit quicker. <laughs> I owe you one, absolutely. Hey, you know, well, that's one of my favorite places on the road, just for anyone that cares. But obviously uh, it's going to be a tough one for Texas Tech, as Don mentioned. Last time they won in uh, – Stillwater was 2001. We'll see what they can do. Don, if you want to take us out. Yep. I was going to say we'll have uh, Facebook Live uh, about 4 p.m. on Wednesday. So if you want to participate, certainly uh, always welcome to join in. Again, Facebook Live around 4 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon, doing that each week. And uh, you can send us some questions as well on the Red Raiders. Uh, .com Facebook page. So, for Carl Silva Jr., I'm Don Williams. Uh, another edition of the Red Raiders podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.